Hallo. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> no, that's all my French all used up. <laughs> okay, how are you? I'm I'm really well. I didn't okay. anticipate that we would be speaking on Skype so soon across different parts of the world. Um, and it is exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you also well? Yes, yes, I'm well. I'm a bit um, in the morning uh, mood, but good. <laughs> um, okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wombat Radio. Today, um, actually, would you like to introduce yourself, Anna? Uh, hello. I'm uh, Anna Massoni. I was performing not so long time ago in Supercell Dance Festival in uh, Brisbane with uh, To Come and See, the project with uh, Simone Truong, Adina Secretan, Elpida Orfanidou, and Elite Marom. And um, I live in Paris. I'm in Paris right now. <laughs> Wonderful. And I'm in Australia, right? <laughs> the world. What a crazy place. Um, and you are co-author with everybody in that piece, no? Yes. Um, actually, it's a project that Simone Triong initiated. She did the research and and wanted to to work on the on the notion of uh, eroticism, and then she asked the four of us to join her and to make it a collective work and to collaborate. So we co-created the piece, but she she was uh, inviting us first. Cool. Hmm? Um, so this is how we met because we were dancing together in a workshop. Yeah. At Bare Bones. Um, what are you busy with at the moment? What is, um, what is obsessing in your mind or what is staying with you or what are you trying to work through? Or what are the questions that you're asking or like, um, the, the lens that you're seeing the world through? <laughs> Well, actually, this project that uh, that we we do with Simone and and all the girls is quite um, was quite important in a way because it brought uh, new new questions and new ways of uh, of seeing things somehow for me in a way that um, because we work a lot on empathy. On, um, on the what what happens in the very present moment on stage. So it's not that we do something that we already know and we just perform it. We try to let things happen somehow and to catch them when they arrive. <laughs> so this um, this way of performing is continuing. Um, is I mean I'm still busy with this question of uh, of being in the moment and of trying to bring empathy on stage for the for the spectator to not only watch but also feel and 
even maybe do in a way. So yeah. So there's something going on with uh, you are ready you are training so that in performance you are ready mm-hmm. for a moment and then in that moment the thing that you do yeah well almost like the thing that that moment is doing to you also is is doing something to the spectator yeah yeah in that specific uh, piece we try to really work on on a triangle that when we do something on stage, we try to, to include the spectator in it. So we work a lot with touch, for instance. And if somebody, for instance, if I touch somebody on stage, I try with the work of the gaze and the work of, um, of make things visible and sensible. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, Maybe sen- sensorial sen- like with the senses. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the, to to include the spectator, if as if I was touching him somehow. Mm. So this is the specific uh, work we do in this piece. But then all this question of empathy and of uh, the present uh, is also becoming present in my other works and my other researches. And um, for instance, I I just did a piece also collaborating with another choreographer whose name is uh, Vania Vano from Brazil. And um, in this work, we try also to to go from this this uh, quality of being just with the the present sensation and the the materiality of the body towards a more expressive uh, body. So this is one question or one thing that my that I'm busy with. <laughs> mm. is, um, how how have you found out? So the when we did the say the workshop of the the triangle task in the mm-hmm. workshop. Um, I came up against this wall of, uh, is the way that I feel something, does that show at all? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my, my mom would do this thing. If you, if you cooked something for her, she wouldn't taste it and then tell you that is very delicious. She would, as she's eating it, she would, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and then but of course it's much more than is her uh response if we weren't there if i had sent her in the mail a packet of m&ms or something Mm. and she really loved to eat those she was doing it for me to feel what she was feeling and i and then i wonder like what how to be how to feel something and then how to know if feeling something is enough or if you need to be training yourself in the expression of feeling. Um, well, we found out that somehow it, it has to be trained. 
because it's not so easy to to make the other feel what you feel without overdoing like you just said with your mom or mm, without being a, yeah. <laughs> uh, in something that actually takes you out from what you really feel so so we yeah we try to work on with quite simple principles but to to be really uh, with the inside sensation and at the same time to put it out but yeah it's a it's a whole struggle somehow between inside and outside so you are uh, receiving and giving the same amount <laughs> of uh, of sensation i don't know if that makes any sense to it, it makes sense mm -hmm. it's just i remember it being very hard to know if i was doing it or not <laughs> when I was trying to do it. But no, there is logic. <laughs> um, and does that mean that you are f feeling as well? Is that when when the thing that you are feeling is also being expressed so that a viewer can feel it, Do you are you then open to f knowing, sensing if they have received the thing that you're sending out to them? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in a, in a way, it's quite clear when it happens because you can see in the other people's gaze or body that they are not just uh, observing, but that they are also focusing on maybe one part of the body that is being touched or they smile because they know the sensation you're getting or I don't know there there's a lot of little reactions that you can see and that are very true and come out mm. so then you you can sense that they are also sharing your sensation and, and is how are you um, playing with this skill set within your new duo that you've been working on um, fun. in this duo we there are different uh, parts but the, the first part is a lot about sensing our our own bodies as really as material and we have on stage also other materials very rough uh, things like plastic paper uh, uh, things that are more solid, uh, powder, so a different range of qualities of uh, of material, and we just try to we have a score somehow that we get in touch with these materials and we react to them and and become more solid or more fluid or relate more to our bones or to our muscles or to our skin. So we. Yeah, we try to be in the moment also very, very much, um, how to say it? Um, yeah, to make visible in the moment what our body is becoming. Mm. And um, I'd be, I'm really eager to hear if you've had any uh, insights into how how the what your body is becoming and what you are doing how you can 
be visible with it, but not、uh, like a representation. Not show it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. The, yeah, how do you know that doing it is enough, and how do you do it in a way that you're still doing it,、mm-hmm. but it is showing? And or how do you know when you cross that line? Or yeah, this is a fine line, and we are somehow.、Uh, Each performance, we are looking to to work on that fine line, because it can easily go either on a, on something that becomes more personal and more like an、um, improvisation, you know, when and then it concerns you more, but not so much the person looking at you. And on the other side, it can become more、uh, like an image and not be really. Uh, about the, the experience in the moment and the sensation, so it's a really fine line. And、um, <clears throat> the, I think choreographically, what we tried is that、uh, we made a score. Quite,、uh, it's quite a constraint. It's really written, but so the,、um, it becomes also a language. Visible to the audience, it's not only uh, uh, an improvisation.、Um, I see. That you know, it, logic yeah, it's in, more composed with repetitions, loops.、Uh, so, in a way, it helps also to make it more,、uh, maybe more formal in a way, but also to to.、Um, Yeah, it's like little cells that we go in, and we try each time to experiment in the moment. <laughs> I don't know if it's a,、mm-hmm. it's a bit blurry. Yeah, and the, somehow because the audience knows the game, yeah, then they can. Yeah, we give. The, yeah, exactly.、It. We we give the signs of a certain logic, so then it's also relieving, maybe, and you can just watch. What is it's so.、Um, Poetic that line to give the signs of a certain logic, <laughs> because so many things are.、Um, they give the false signs of a certain logic,、mm-hmm. and the, you make up, you just invent a logic when you're seeing someone playing,、yeah. or see someone doing something when there may be none. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, and what? Is the I guess towards what end will this perform so that other people who are watching can feel also the being in the moment, or is there an arc of some kind? Yeah, there is an arc because、um, yeah, I, I, as I was telling you earlier, it's we are actually working on the scale of、uh, how a A body can be just a body, like in a like skin, muscles,、uh, skeleton,、uh, whatever, liquids and organs, and from that become more and more expressive, emotional,、uh, and carrying somehow old gestures that we all share. So. Um, it it goes from this layer of being very organic towards more uh, uh, almost language-like. The 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 body becomes the support for 
uh, gestures and emotions. So we also work a lot with emotions, for instance, and empathy again is very much involved because we try to change our emotions. Like uh, we talk a lot about uh, a cloud that would be changing form Mm -hmm. and it becomes sad and angry and uh, afraid and laughing. All these are like, yeah, different shapes of one cloud. And there again, the empathy is involved in a way that the people can almost follow our emotion because it's something that everybody shares. They know what it's like to to be scared or to be sad or whatever. And the emotions are like a part of a score that in yeah. this section we will we will synchronize ourselves into this emotion and then yeah progress. Yeah, it's also very much, it's a, it's an, like another layer. So there is this organic body, then the emotional body, and then the uh, historic memory uh, body. <laughs> so we use also uh, images of uh, all the... Um, old paintings or sculptures or things that can remind of ancient times and then the setting itself becomes um, I mean we have layers on the ground and we unfold and unfold and unfold the layers so the space itself becomes a we dig into the space itself, into the theater itself. Cool. <laughs> it's hard to describe a little bit, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh, how ancient? Uh, <laughs> well, this is more a personal uh, taste and passion, and uh, I, I, I love uh, anti- antiquity, like from the Greek antiquity sculptures. Mm. Or this kind of representation of the body, and then also very much the Renaissance uh, painting from Italy. So we looked a lot to these uh, to these paintings, to these artworks. And I imagine there was um, a lot of paintings painted at that time, but only s- very certain ones survived until our time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I wonder how... But we still have a lot. Yeah, I wonder what the ones that didn't survive looked like, what the ones that were not uh, cherished yeah. enough yeah. to defend or whatever. <laughs> kind of makes me think about um, in this, when you were talking about the layer of just the body, mm-hmm that that would have been so different over time as well, that at one point we wouldn't have had a, an understanding of our skeletal mm-hmm. structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to think about just the body would not include to think about a skeleton. But for us, it does to, It does include thinking about a skeleton because that is knowledge that we have. So when we're like, you know, just a body, just muscles and organs and skeletons mm-hmm. and uh, nervous systems and brains and hearts... Whereas for different people in different times, we'd be like, you know, just a body like that 
bag of meat over of there. <laughs> yeah, that piece of flesh or that um, that thing that smells different to all these other things or worse or better. Mm-hmm. Or that thing that I love that must be real. Yeah, it's true. It's true that we... And I wonder in the future what will be included in just a body. You know, just a body like the IP address of a body or the um, upload link or mm. the retina implants or something. <laughs> um, when... Is, is there any special reason that it's just two of you doing this exploration? Um, yes and no. I mean, we are we worked already a few Such times a before together, so it's, and we are friends, so it's more uh, <laughs> that we wanted to work together. But then the fact yeah. of being two was interesting for us because um, from the moment you are two, you can enter in a dialogue. So you can become expressive also in, in a way that you you are relating to someone else. Mm. So in that sense, it was like the first uh, first number where you can have this. So yeah, it was, it was somehow a choice in that sense, but it was also just because we wanted to. And- <laughs> it's such a good reason for so many things um and does that mean that the triangle technique is still very much available to you as well yeah yeah yeah, definitely um, well there is always a uh anyway a, a relation to the spectator so this triangle is is very much happening in in that piece we are also very much very much working as we are too on uh, i don't know this word in english actually it's it's an expression in french we say vase communicant it's like when one gets full the other gets empty and reversed you know mm. like to yeah, that's really nice to uh yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So no, look, I mean, someone, we work someone on that. Someone listening is going to understand French. They will understand. I'm sure someone who listens will understand. Okay. But um, so yeah, we are all, always in a, in a counterpoint uh, relationship mm. her, between her and me, and then including the spectator in the. To relate to our to our sensations or emotions or whatever, so yeah, this triangle is is part of the work <laughs> in a different way, but uh, it's the same. Yeah, and I, I wonder how you think about or take care of touch within this triangle when there there is no option for you to go and touch somebody else. There is always going to be that person if you were to touch somebody else and then triangularly that goes through a viewer and when you are in the just a body layer Mm -hmm. then the touch can be um more or less one thing or the other and then when you are in the gestures layer and gestures as language layer this like all the semiotics surrounding that um i'm just wondering how you're taking care of all of those things and how it's making sense to you 
for touch to be present and what you have to be wary of? And uh, I think the touch in, in itself is more present in the first uh, layer of this, just the mm. body layer. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, it, uh, the really sensing what we are touching and what what um, how the quality of our bodies is changing, and then because it's more gesture and more uh, semiotic, as you were saying, um, I think it's less about touch but more about a common memory or a common uh, body language that we have. So it's less, uh, yeah, it's less about sensing in a way, but more um, entering another time layer, which is the one of the mm. of the memory, maybe. Yeah, I wonder how are you finding your um, Brazilian collaborator and yourself and your common commonalities. Are they many? when it comes to uh, body language and sensation and physical memory? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. We, I think we share a lot of... Uh, of uh, also, that's why also we, we were uh, happy to work together and we were wanting to, to work together. We, we share a lot of uh, intuitions somehow. So... Mm. <laughs> Is there an intuition layer? There is a little bit. There is. Um, or intuition, or maybe more um, energetic layer, invisible layer. Uh -huh. we, mm. we, we, we also tried to work with what is visible and what is invisible. What is How do you do that? Sorry? How? <laughs> <laughs> well, for instance, memory is invisible, so this is something that we tried to include through this uh, gesture language. And then uh, more with the... Um, we have a moment where we almost touch ourselves, but it's more about almost uh, magnetic fields or something <laughs> that something happened between the body without um, without actually touching so we try to bring also this presence of the space and um, what is in between to be also mm. present mm. <laughs> how I don't exactly know it's more um <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think maybe the question for me because my relationship with time and memory mm -hmm. is that memory is exactly the same function in the mind as imagination. Yeah. And that's why it's so hard to throw things out that become sentimentally valued because they are a prop that uh, instigates an imagination. Um, and that when the when new information comes to light as we grow older or we learn new things, then the past changes somehow. Mm -hmm. Like they say that you can't change the past, but actually 
whenever the story changes, then the entire past changes, history changes. And um, I like, I just like to think about, remember that memory and the and imagination are somehow the same skill set. Um, yeah. And whether you're remembering correctly or incorrectly, it doesn't really matter because you're conjuring up these images. Um, but then the idea of how to work with something that is so invisible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, is not, which is not how to show it or how to share it or how to justify it or validate it, but it is how, because it is, it's so slippery when you can't yeah. just grab something. Um, so I find it hard, for example, which is I imagine why so many people... Um, keep a journal and write out their thoughts because it makes it more tangible for them and they can reflect on it and if they just think it it gets lost so I guess I'm only really asking about what what have you found that you will do when you're working with things that are so slippery that can just so easily vanish become a cloud (laughs) Yeah. How do you hold on to it long enough to know it has a shape or know what it is? Or um, <clears throat> wait, I have to think a little bit. <laughs> of course, of course, it's not an easy question. What? It's not. It's not an easy question. Yeah. Like it's not really answered. Um. Maybe I could, maybe I'm I'm being very vague. So I know that sometimes people who do not have a practice in dancing or memorizing steps, they see that somebody has learnt steps, and the thing that impresses them is how they m- remember yeah, yeah. all of the steps. Um, but we know that actually it is through the process of doing that a logic forms and. Uh, a logical next step happens and a sequence happens and even if it doesn't start out as instinctual or um, logical it eventually becomes that way through repeating repeating it Mm. and so I wonder if that is like the process to that thing that is very invisible now I'm the person that's coming into your studio and I'm like whoa how do you (laughs) work with um with these things that are so invisible? How do you remember them and distance yourself from them so that you can reflect upon them and what is the process and what is the technique and what is the hard parts? Yeah, for me, I was just thinking, I don't know if it answers your question, but um, for me, in that work, what is more uh, in important is that we share I mean at least in our maybe more western culture I don't know if it's I don't know how universal it can be but we have somehow an um, a common un- unconscious 
uh, memory, which is made of a lot of uh, yeah images, but also just how the body talks in its, itself. So we share this knowledge, and um, I'm getting a bit confused, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, what I'm, I'm think, I think I'm interested in, in that uh, performance is that as a dancer, if I work with my imagination, if I imagine I'm in a solid environment, my movement will be affected. But maybe the person looking at me is imagining something else, uh, and his way of feeling what I'm doing is also affected. It doesn't matter so much, but imagination is involved in the middle of us. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes, I know. It's something that, that we can share. We can maybe imagine the same thing at the same moment, but we can also just let it circulate in a way that it's part of the of the 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 work and and that it's not something that re, that remains secret for for us as dancers as a technique for instance but more um yeah to try to yeah. to make it visible in a way it's a bit hard to explain but of course yeah no but it's really um it's like imagination is not an act purely of the brain it is an act that the entire body can um, take on. Yeah, exactly. To imagine, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And then that means that somebody can witness and be affected by your imagination. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And it's also somehow imagining that the imagination can be circulating. It's giving it certain uh, shape, or or yeah, it becomes it becomes like a material, as uh, the light or the sound or the the sound also is invisible, but it's present. For instance. Yeah, it's almost like the way for the immaterial to become material mm -hmm. is for it to be shared and for it to circulate. Yeah, exactly. We tried in that work to make everything equal, what is material, what is immaterial, and to, as much as we can to, to include all the elements in, a, in one landscape, in one environment. And how did that go? <laughs> um, well, it's the piece became what it became because of this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of this uh, will. So I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. I think yeah, it was a good start for us to also to work with lights and sound, for instance, that are not only outside. Uh, elements but uh, they are really part of the 
the form and they have their own life somehow. We are not always in the center of attention. Sometimes it's more the light, sometimes it's more the sound that have space. So, yeah. And would you say that you uh, choreographed those things to happen? Yes. In with like a choreographic sensibility? Yeah, totally. Yeah, we thought of uh, of parallel uh, lines that have their own rhythm, and sometimes there are encounters, and sometimes not. So everything is independent, and uh, yeah. How I'm very curious to know how you came to decide what the bodies needed to do and what could be done instead by the lights without the bodies or the music without the bodies or what what is it the power that the the bodies have what did you use bodies for mm. or or dancing the the dancing of the bodies or? Well, the body is more um, well uh, for the gesture part. The sound also has uh, more dramatic or uh, or almost uh, operatic moment <laughs> and they become mm-hmm. very much expressive but they dissolve the, the sound dissolves again so it's it's like mountains so it has this quality but the body is definitely um, in charge of that scale of um, of become of being either liquid or solid or sad or happy or uh, remembering a Renaissance painting or becoming again just a bunch of of bones. <laughs> hmm. So it has this um, specific uh, quality of of uh, changing and moving all the time. So we use it in that way. Did you go into the future in the way that you went into the past? Mm. It's a good question because I think uh, I think we were more working on the present, which is always moving towards past. And the future is less uh, I mean future is always there, but yeah, we didn't work the same way towards the future. no <laughs> fine. I was just curious yeah um if you zoom out from the one piece that you've been busy working mm-hmm. on. 
would you say that there is something that you are busy with in life <laughs> or a, th- a thing that you are chasing or something that you are thinking about and haven't solved yet? Um, well, this thing of... of uh, Of of being uh, wait I I miss a word in English so just a second um, you know the 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 word porosity does it exist mm-hmm. yeah porous porous yeah so yeah I think the the this notion of Porosity, the, the fact that we are always changing according to what is happening, either inside ourselves or outside of ourselves. This, uh, um, yeah, this changing or moving quality that that things have because we have it, but also other. Uh, spe- species around. So, uh, this this is something that I'm very curious about. So I'm. I think it's a way for me to 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 think about dance in general and to and to. Yeah, uh, it's something that I keep wanting to investigate. Mm. Do you um, bring certain things into your life in in consideration that you are porous to those things and that they will be affecting you and so you decide what will be around you be, and affecting you and what will not be around you and affecting you? I think it's happening every minute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it that everybody does it. Yeah, it's uh, some yeah. people. I don't know. You choose the space you want heavily. to be in. Yes. Yeah. Or you, what surrounds you? What everything? What sound? What color? What uh, person? And what are you noticing about the um, <laughs> the choices that you're making about those kind of things? about what surrounds you what do you choose to surround yourself uh, well this is also always changing because <laughs> 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 it's also about uh, trying to know yourself and yes. and um, finding a, a balance between yeah between your state and, and what what makes you feel uh, comfortable, or in, I don't know if it's the right word, but or inspired, or mm. e- yeah, every and moment. also um, thinking that you know what you want, and sometimes that's just not true. You don't know what you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's actually interesting these moments where there is a, a kind of gap distance with yourself and you you don't know where to go or you don't know what you want to listen to or you you have this doubt uh, 
doubtful quality also. Hmm. Oh. But that, um, what do you do with those moments when you have the the gap? Mm, I think I I know it will change again. So <laughs> yes. So I either take it as it is, or I try to fill it in, and then I'll see what it makes. <laughs> but uh, but you yeah. never fall into uh, existential crises about your future and your life purpose and anything like this. If I am in an, an exist existential crisis, <laughs> when a gap comes, uh, I think um, it's not uncommon for people who are working independently. Yeah. That when there is a gap of time, that's when the the doubts that have been held at bay flood in, mm -hmm. yeah. and some people fend them off by uh, staying busy and filling the gap, mm -hmm. and some people somehow don't need to. They just know. Or they trust. Or mm -mm. Yeah, for for me, it it really depends. Sometimes I just freak out and and I want to to do do do, so I don't have this. Uh, like I guess most of the people, did. as you say, it's a it's a rhythm that we have, so we can avoid these moments. But sometimes when there is a more uh, secure days <laughs> I I also let it happen because it brings new perspective on things or it's a moment where you can reflect on yourself or on what you're doing and uh, and learn from it a lot actually mm. so yeah it can become Maybe almost early. like a meditation or <laughs> but uh, yeah I was going to ask if you have any um, tips or any uh, <laughs> wisdom on how to be how to be so far from the rhythm that is comfortable or that is familiar, but how to be okay. I don't know if I have tips because it's so much about uh, an intimate mm. feeling of what you are of. I don't know, if you still feel your feet are on the ground, then you can just observe it and uh, and let it happen and you know you won't fall or it's just, uh, it's just a moment and then again a new rhythm will come. Mm. So nice. Um, what is your biggest hope? Um, my biggest hope well, lately I think it's I, I hope that uh, the, the planet earth will survive <laughs> it's a big hope <laughs> that um, no I hope that the 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 potential of being of being a community will will become more will help us to to relate to 
other yeah other beings on earth <clears throat> or uh, that we we would be a bit less self-centered and and think more about uh, everybody that are sharing the the planet together mm. yeah which makes sense that you have a practice which is steeped in empathy and generating it and mm -hmm. instilling it and yeah. it is almost like um, you're trying to make empathy go viral yes exactly. as some kind of <laughs> meme or gif or something <laughs> so nice is is there anything i haven't asked you or any epiphanies that you've had about dancing or about community or Mm. Epiphany, I like this word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no pressure. It's a, but, uh, it's a word that um, the the writer James Joyce use it, uses, and uh, mm -hmm. because I also, on a side, I, I also have a publishing house for literature with my boyfriend, and we did one book which is Epiphany by James Joyce. <laughs> So I have it in mind. Um, yeah, actually, these these works, for instance, the work with uh, the two common sea that we did in in Brisbane. This works is very much about this finding moment of serendipity where everything matches together. So we do we do feel this sometimes or we are looking for it <laughs> um, what does it mean to run a publishing house oh, um, well, it's more my boyfriend and a friend of his that are the publishers they choose uh, te texts that they want to to publish either things that um, that were published already, but that are not more that are not anymore available, or that were published mm -hmm. only in uh, as part of another book, but they they wanted to publish it alone. And then I work more with also another friend on the um, graphism and and inventing what will be the object, the book itself. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how do you yeah. how do you know what will how do you invent a, a, a an, an object? Uh, it's from I, I read the text and then from there I, I try to to take to to see what is um, somehow essential in the the composition of the text or the what it is about. And then I try to find a form for it. It's it's very much related for me to choreography, or it, I actually make a lot of links between all these uh, activities. But mm. um, I don't know. Then it's finding a color, a certain kind of paper, organizing the letters on the page. Uh, 
yeah, it's small things, but it's actually sometimes very difficult. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine <laughs> that it's very difficult because it's almost as if, um, unless there is a procedure where things just get um, repeated, yeah. it, it's almost as if you need to open yourself up to be affected by the what this object will hold mm -hmm. and then imagine how to hold it, how to put it inside a thing that can hold it. Yeah. And we were talking about signs and uh, everything here is also a sign. When you touch a book, if it's a certain quality of paper or if the letters on the cover are a certain color or put in a certain way or even if it seems very very simple and not so uh, artistic it's everything counts so we try to be attentive to all these uh, to all these signs that we give to the potential reader <laughs> mm. how is it is it exhausting to be so considered to consider everything. <laughs> uh, it is sometimes a bit exhausting <laughs> because it takes time, and uh, but it's also a, a pleasure. So yeah, I was going to ask about how you take take care of yourself in situations where you are, where your job is to expose yourself to feeling things. Mm -hmm. But maybe it is like you said, it's about that it is also a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's a bit too much, and I, it's uh, when you were talking about uh, independent uh, artists, it's, it's a matter of balance. Sometimes it's hmm. a lot at the same time, and it becomes a bit uh, overwhelming. <laughs> I have thought about this before with uh, dance companies working this traditional office hours of nine until five or six or whatever, mm -hmm. like the the full day. That um, after a little while, it makes you not have a joy for the dancing anymore, mm -hmm. and that it the balance is right for the office and wrong for the dance studio. And somehow it just crams dance into that industrial framework yeah. of like a factory worker's hours, which used to be much longer. But that there would probably be more joy in dance companies' productions if the dancers were dancing half, were working half as much. Yeah, I totally agree because I had this uh, this experience. Actually, I worked for three years in a choreographic center here in France where it was this kind of um, set company where you come at nine and you, you go at six <laughs> and although I I really enjoyed the, the research and the the, the the way the choreographer was um, was uh, keeping he, he kept questioning himself. It was not that he knew what he was doing and we were just repeating each day the same thing. But at the same time, after three years, I was just, I couldn't 
continue like this because it's it's exhausting in a way that is not so pleasurable. Mm. So yeah, it's exactly what you were saying. Yeah, and then other things become compromised as well. The, mm. um, you can still be there with your body and you can still execute the movement, but your empathy or your joy or your humanity, you stop bringing it because you need to begin to protect it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Does that mean that you do a lot of reading all the time? <laughs> I do. I like to read a lot. Doesn't it make you sleepy? Uh, sometimes, but no, I, I can read quite a lot without sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> what a skill. <laughs> um, and how do you choose what to read if, you're, if we're going back to this, like curating what, how, how, how you are porous and that makes you, in a sense, vulnerable in the world and ever-changing? How do you choose what comes in... Um, well, I have piles of books around <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, because I, I, it's really like um, I feel sometimes a bit like an octopus that goes towards uh, different. Uh, um, piles that I do, <laughs> things that I need to read for my research, my work that I inspiring things that I just leave on the table because they inspiring they inspire me even if I'm not reading it <laughs> it's just mm. uh, the fact that they exist and uh, things that I need to read for the publishing house which I I don't choose but it's more to to participate to the to this work and um, yeah I have like different uh, uh, subjects like this around me and always a bit also of painting books and drawing and stuff like this so all of these things are going on for you all of the time as well yeah it's like a map around it's like uh, doing a cartography of uh, inspirations and subjects that are uh, echoing between themselves and yeah I like to be surrounded by this uh, this yeah books or images or do you make maps as well or is this just an image that you're talking about uh, I don't do maps properly but I like sometimes to draw or to paint and to put things a bit together on a paper <laughs> level. And do you have a process for that, a method, or is it just like um, it is a way for your brain to bring things together? No, yeah, it's. I don't have a method. It's very much. <laughs> it's a very liquid, uh, intuitive uh, way of working. So yeah. And what about um, is it always uh, what, what kind of things then do you read? Do you read and and the images that are around you are they always historic or are they sometimes fictional in other people's imaginations or are they 
texts like uh, philosophy texts or mathematics texts or uh, both I, of course philosophy anthropology things like this but also actually very much uh, lit literature as well because it's um, what does that mean yeah other what does that encompass sorry what what <laughs> what falls into literature like what makes it good what what is the literature that affects you and is useful in your life when you then go into the studio or go into making the book cover or um, what is it doing to you <coughs> um, a hard question <laughs> it's super hard question so for so so an example of my own what I like to do if I find if it happens is that I like to read a non-fiction in the mornings mm. and a fiction in the evenings and but on the same topic so perhaps the morning is um, non-fiction uh, scientific and mathematical descriptions of black holes and time <laughs> physics and all that sort of stuff and in the evening it is completely a storybook about somebody who gets stranded in time and the murderer takes off with their time machine and then they slowly die over 200 years or whatever just because uh, what is fun is to smash together yeah. the fiction and non-fiction yeah. because then my brain keeps asking well what what maybe in the future will be non-fiction that is currently fiction and so I'm kind of reading in the vein of having it do something to me mm -hmm. so that then I'm filled up with something when I go to make or engage with somebody else or interact. Yeah, yeah, you said it well. <laughs> um, cool. But what I like also in, in literature books, because I actually don't read so much fiction in a way um, like uh, I don't know um, these murder stories. books or uh, mm -hmm. religious story, romantic stories, I do a little bit but not so much it's more I like to to, to read uh, books that are also somehow a language through that that find their own language through through words, and that I can um, get also a compositional um, quality from it. Or yeah, I don't know. It's a bit. Uh, no, that's. Yeah. For instance, now nice, right now I'm reading Proust, and I'm totally into it. <laughs> uh huh. Because it has this this thing, like it is finding its own language, its comp its own composition. Yes, and it's uh, it's very very much also about sensations and describing very small things that become super important. I don't know. I, I I'm totally uh, into it right now. <laughs> I love that feeling, that feeling of being totally into something. You're like, yeah, this is. This is why people say it's good to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> Being somehow interested or excited is often 
more enlivening than being successful or happy somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do, do you think that's what happens when you're making a performance that you're eking out and finding your own compositional logic and framework? Yeah. And that's what you invite the viewer in to come on the ride with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So there's like these, this, there's these layers of like the thing that you do, and then the thing that it is doing to you, and then the thing that because it's doing to you, then it's doing to others because what is happening to you is being shared with others, and then there's the layer of how is all of that serving some greater um, creation or invention or moment of facilitating the existence of a new language or a new uh, compositional construct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot that you're working with. <laughs> <laughs> is it exhilarating? Sorry? Is it exhilarating or is it just messy most of the time? <laughs> it's uh, both at the same time, I think. <laughs> Good answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I don't have anything else to ask. I'm just mm-hmm. intrigued and excited by hearing about the things that you are intrigued and excited by and about. Did it make any and sense? Ha- because I'm a bit of... I don't know. Yeah. I always doubt. Of course. Yeah, no, you, you understood what, something. What, what do you doubt? What do you always doubt? No, I always doubt if, uh, you know, when you talk about it's also quite intimate what you are busy with or what you are working through so it sometimes I'm not so sure uh, people can relate to it or can understand or if it looks totally blurry and, uh, <laughs> and messy I don't know well yeah I guess if it was yes well, yes it's not supposed I'm gonna to be logic anyway a, um, exactly <laughs> Yeah, and to steal something from you, it is both. Mm. It is clear, and it is also completely intimate, (laughs) and can only be understood by you, but at the same time, by you doing it, and me being with you in this moment while you are doing it, then I am also affected by the thing that you are doing, Mm -hmm. and what it is doing to you. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> it's an it's a really nice way to be busy with something actually, because um, you're not busy with conquering something mm-hmm. or completing something. You're are busy with manifesting or serving or being the embodiment of a thing for a time yeah am am I right with that or 
That's how it feels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I guess you you got it right. <laughs> yes. Uh, is there anything that I'm missing? Or I mean, it's a mm-hmm. it's a nice place to finish, and I want to respect your time as well. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's we talked about many things. So. <laughs> <laughs> what really inspires you? I am curious that there's like all of these things that you're working on, and now I am inspired by hearing about them. What is and do you me? talk about? Yeah, uh. like, yeah, in a very cut and dry sense. Not that it is inspiring to be around a lot of <laughs> books and images and things like that. But what is something that um, um, you want me to tell you? What I have now on my table. <laughs> Yeah, or like um, a memory of a time that you were very, very excited or very inspired. Or... Mm. Well, I was uh, I was writing this to you a little bit, but the what inspires me at the moment also it's. Um, this uh, oh no I won't go this way <laughs> to be too much again <laughs> um, well to be concrete now I'm reading a book for instance that is called How Do Forests Think and it's about how anthropology could go further and include the signs of uh, other beings that also use signs so it's to expand somehow our understanding to of uh, of, of communication to other parts or other non-human um Beings, mm. for instance. So this is super interesting at the moment. I'm very much inspired by this text. And, uh, That's awesome. What? Well, it's like uh, even in knowing that that is a question validates that it it could be something that could be thought about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one, one example. <laughs> it's a very good example. Very good being concrete. <laughs> well, should I let you go? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the for letting me express all this. Um, it's very much been my pleasure, mm-hmm. um, especially as I knew nothing to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have watched some videos of you dancing. You watched? There was a duet. Oh. Yeah, oh. there was a duet that I saw um, with somebody, and there was breathing. 
Ah. And you are marrying very liquid. Yeah. That's what I was doing in that choreographic center. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is the thing about having things on the internet. People watch them and they don't know how old they are mm. or who instigated them or what people were busy with while doing them. But I like I liked this duet. I liked doing it. Yeah. I always hate videos, yeah. but I liked the piece. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Oh well. Um do you think you'll be dancing soon and it will go on a video and I should link to it so everyone can watch you watch the dance that comes out of what we've been talking about or do you hate videos too much? <laughs> no, I can give you the link of um of this duet that I that we talked about with uh That would be so nice. A Brazilian friend. I can I can send it to you. Wonderful. Um, is there anything that you want to ask? I just want to be open, but I also don't want to uh, expect or force you to be interested. <laughs> um, well, it would be maybe a whole another conversation, but when we came to Bare Bones, you were you also showed the. Uh, a little excerpt of a oh, of a solo or yes. something that you were yes. proposing yeah. and mm. you talked about the pleasure of dancing and trying to let this feeling of pleasure reach also the the people looking at you mm. so yeah i i used to think that i really cared about dance and I think I'm changing it that I really care about dancing and not even just my dancing. I care about other people dancing as well. Mm -hmm. um, but to care about dance somehow divorces it from the reason that we do it, I think, which is to be with ourselves or with each other or with the music or with the moment to be with someone or something. <laughs> and I think when when we refer to dance and caring about dance and working in dance, sometimes, somehow we, we are talking about a form or an industry. And actually, I, I am inspired by form and I have biases about form and there are certain forms that I don't want to watch or to do or put in my own body. Um, <clears throat> but I'm happy for those forms to be done. I just want dancing as an act, as an action. Mm -hmm. And so mostly what I'm thinking about and when I teach and when I choreograph, it's it's almost always about how to construct a ritual that normalizes dancing once more mm -hmm. and that says that um, just because my spine is rippling that is doesn't mean that it is sexual mm -hmm. um, but it could 
And if it does, it's okay. And if it doesn't, it's that's also okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that the rituals that we have, especially, I, I don't know how it is in France, but I know in Australia being um, like self-identified as post-colonial, but still actually quite colonial and still with this heavy British influence where the bodies are so divorced from the self mm. in so many ways, um, especially with Catholicism or other forms of Christianity in their, in the mix of cultural um, relationship to body, that the, the acceptable moments of dancing are dwindling the reasons for it and what it can express and how it can act and function are becoming smaller and and then we reach a point where um, because I am not of a minority group that has a cultural dance that is recognised where I put on the uh, traditional attire or whatever and because I don't um, go out to clubs and drink lots of alcohol and get very drunk, then I, I actually don't have anywhere to dance because those are like the two places where dance can happen anymore in Australia. Mm-hmm. For men, is like either you're very drunk or it is part of a traditional cultural heritage and it it is a uh, an uh, like it is ethnicized mm. and it is other to mainstream Australia, and so I'm <laughs> just kind of saying, "Whoa, that's kind of weird," because this body wants to dance. Yeah. Um. So, guess just go and do it, and then see if that's good enough for other people to think that they can do it as well. <laughs> <laughs> but then also think about like, what do you? need to do it i don't always want to do it i need to feel safe and i need to feel uh, warm and i need to feel sometimes i need to feel love or i need to feel compelled in some point and all of that used to come from ritual structures because i think there's a power in being together without speaking and without words which is ironic that i run a podcast uh but Somehow I just think there are a lot of false dichotomies in the world. There are a lot of things that people think are one or the other. And um, I guess I just try and do both at the same time, often. Like, improvise dancing for the sake of pleasure and joy and then get into my forward drive and go forward driving or whatever this thing is, you know, like... Whatever the things are that people think don't go together, they actually are fine. They go together and it works. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I answered any question just then, but I think what I did was spoke in a roundabout way about some of the things I'm thinking about and dancing about. And I also think that dancing's right on that point where, like, it doesn't matter and no one cares if you do it or don't. It's not like I'm an ambulance officer. 
where it's actually really important and urgent. But at the same time, it's um, integral to culture and to humanity and to empathy and to embodiment and to the extension and expansion of our psychological and philosophical selves and our mental and spiritual health. So dancing confuses me because at the same time it's completely frivolous and useless in an industrialised education system um, and also utterly integral to the future of and the humanitization of the world. Yeah. Which is kind of a big claim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe I... I because I, I kept something very... very... yeah, both strong and fragile, which relates to what you're... you were just saying, maybe not important mm. and needed at the same time from that moment yeah. where, where you, you showed the where you you were dancing <laughs> so oh, I was curious to great. hear more wonderful I still haven't worked it out either I'm still working on it mm -hmm. but I think I think being being able to see each other and being and practicing being able to be seen is strong and fragile mm -hmm. and it is a skill and a vulnerability and a power and that uh, it, it's like it forces empathy because you're idea of self and other becomes blurry yeah and if that's the power of dance sing then whoa <laughs> mm, nice way to nice uh, ending I think nice <laughs> 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 Thank you. Um, you're right, it would be a whole other conversation, but it is definitely one that I'm interested to have mm -hmm. at uh, another point, if you would like to, and we can sort out later when that might be. Mm -hmm. And then I'm sure that'll take us into other things as well. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. Well... I know it's been so nice. I feel like I've spoken to you more on Skype than I did for a week in person. <laughs> But yeah, it was great. Thank you. It's great. Um, and thank you for being so generous mm -hmm. with just thinking out loud. Yeah, I, I ride. I was riding on the flow. I hope it will be understandable for others <laughs> well, thanks Anna have a good day thank you bye bye bye